0: moment of worship to remember in this season and every season that God is faithful. Amen. He's faithful. And, you know, so many times in our lives, I think we get into situations, to circumstances, perhaps we get a little overwhelmed and we forget about the faithfulness of God. And so I'm so glad to be reminded of that this morning as we gather for worship. I'm Pastor Bo. I'm the associate pastor. If you're new to our church, Welcome to Calvary. I hope you've enjoyed your morning so far, and I hope that you've been able to connect with an awesome community here in New Orleans seeking to live all in with Jesus. And that's where we are this morning. If you want to turn your Bibles, Luke chapter 14 is where we'll be. Now, spoiler alert, all right, Pastor Michael, he's got all the boat passages. Like, he's got them already, so we're kind of out of the boat this morning, all right? We're not going to be in the boat, so to speak, in the text, but we're still in the boat with Jesus, all right? And, we're, and what, I, what I thought this morning we would explore together in this concept of all in, as you're turning to Luke chapter 14 or pulling that up on your devices, is I thought we'd explore one concept that is, is common among every passage we've studied so far. When it comes to disciples... And when it comes to them being in the boat with Jesus, so yes, it is going to relate. um, When it comes to this idea, each disciple had to do something. They had to say yes to Jesus. They had to choose to say yes to get in the boat with Jesus. We've talked about this throughout this series, but I, I thought we'd pause today in the middle of the series. And instead of exploring another boat passage, which Pastor will pick back up next week, Take a moment to explore what it looks like and what it means to say yes to Jesus. And there's a number of passages we could have studied this morning. This one text will not be alone by itself. But I thought this text, this story, this parable Jesus tells is something that would encourage your hearts to help you in your life say yes to Jesus. Because there is great power in the word yes. Think about this for a moment. Every good thing in our world today comes from someone or some group of people choosing to say yes to an idea. I mean, aren't you grateful this morning, regardless of your political persuasion, that our founding fathers said yes to focus on creating the United States of America? Think about that and think about what a difference it would be in our world today if they had chosen to stay concerned with their own properties, with their own little worlds, instead of a bigger concept to pursue, a concept united around freedom. I'm so grateful they said yes to that, and they chose to focus in that sense. Think about any great company. I mean, most of you today have some type of phone or digital device in your pocket, right? I mean, you got these with you today. This comes from computer scientists deciding to focus On an idea, on a concept that would change the way we communicate with one another. Think about that for a second. These things don't happen unless a group of people choose to focus and say yes and commit to an idea. And for those that are married in the room, aren't you glad that your spouse said yes when you asked them to marry you, right? I mean, just a simple thing as that, but yet so powerful a moment like... What if she had said maybe, gentlemen? I don't uh, maybe, uh, not so sure. But no, the resounding yes leads to something that changes our lives forever. I could go on and on and on. The idea is pretty simple, but I want you to get this as we explore Luke chapter 14. Jesus came into this world. And in this world, there were the people of God chosen, the Israelites, right? We know this from the Old Testament. And as Jesus came onto the scene as the Messiah, there were some, the disciples and those that followed Jesus, that chose to say yes. But he sits at a table in this passage, and we're going to explore this together, with a bunch of people who were really hesitating with the idea of who Jesus is. In fact, they were questioning him. And I think for you and I, it's always a good thing, no matter where you approach your faith today, to explore this idea or is... Am I in my life continually saying yes to Jesus? Saying yes to accept him as your savior, but also continually saying yes to what God has called you to. And here in Luke chapter 14, he sits around the table with a bunch of religious leaders in Israel and he explores this idea, this concept with them. So let's look together starting in verse 15. And we'll read together through verse 24 today. I'm going to kind of explore the first, the front and back later, but I want to focus in starting in verse 15. So pick up there with me in verse 15. When one of those who reclined at the table with him heard these things, these things being that a dinner or banquet, you invite others, not just your friends and family, but the crippled, the lame, the poor. Jesus kind of explored this with them. And when this gentleman heard this, he was kind of, I believe, uncomfortable, and he said, well, blesses everyone who will eat for a bread in the kingdom of God. Basically, what he's saying here is, yeah, I get this, Jesus, that we don't invite our friends, our family. We need to invite the lame, the beggars. But we're all good. Well, blessed is everyone in the people of Israel that are going to eat of the kingdom of God. We're all going to make it. We're all going to get there. You ever been around people like this? We're all good. At the end of the day, we're all getting to heaven. And so Jesus brought this parable out. But he said to him, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at that time, for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. But all those who were invited began to make excuses. The first said, I have bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I must go examine them. Please have me excuse. Another said, I've married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. The context there being because there's some obligations in that culture for a long time when you get married. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. The master of the house became angry and said to the servant, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. The servant said, Sir, what you have commanded has been done, but there's still room for other people. And the master said, Go out to the highways, the hedges, and compel people to come in, that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited... Shall taste my banquet. A powerful picture for us today to understand the power of saying yes and going all in with Jesus. And we've got to kind of examine this because I know where we are this morning. If you're in the room today and you've said yes to Jesus, I know it's easy to write off this and say, well, obviously, these are people who just don't believe in Jesus, or perhaps. This is for the super religious that understand maybe faith from a detached perspective. But this is not for you and I. But I want you to see this morning that for each of us, whether you have faith in Jesus, you've said yes to him with your life, or perhaps you're exploring faith today. For each of us in our lives, the saying yes to Jesus is not a one-time decision it's a daily thing going all in with Jesus is for your life and that's what Jesus was really trying to show these men around the table because these men were the religious leaders if you've been around church you know a little bit about the Pharisees but the Pharisees were the elite religious leaders of the Jewish faith they were the guys that let out in this unfortunately they didn't say yes to Jesus in fact we know from scripture these were the guys that were working behind the scenes To get Jesus in trouble right ultimately what led to his crucifixion because they were always trying to catch Jesus stumbling these were the guys that helped lead along with other people in Israel Jesus to his death these were church going people people that were at the temple day in and day out people that taught the Old Testament law and these were the elite of the elite The people that had. The people that lived good lives. Are you drawing any parallels? You see, as I read this text, I have to put myself in the place at times of the Pharisees being a pastor. I have to question this and ask this, because, you know, if we're not careful and we don't ask this of ourselves, man, we are not evaluating what God has called us to do. And so today... I want us all to see, whether you're exploring faith with us today at Calvary or whether you've been in faith all your life, the question is this, and this is our life lesson, we must explore that to be all in with Jesus, his invitation, his invitation requires a yes. To be all in with Jesus, his invitation requires a yes. You see, for many of us, we think that If you don't say yes to Jesus, then you must be saying no. (laughs) Like the the antithesis of a yes is no. And perhaps you think that saying no is easy. That saying no to Jesus is an easy thing. But Jesus really quickly in this um, example shows us very quickly the destruction by making excuses. How we are destroyed by making excuses. And what I want you to see as I talk about this is excuses are saying yes to the wrong things. So we're not destroyed necessarily by saying no to Jesus. We're destroyed by saying yes to other things. You see, actually saying yes is not that hard. But saying yes to the right things in your life is incredibly difficult. Don't you see that? Like, many of you, do you live your life saying yes to other people? Maybe through your employer, maybe your friends and family. It's very easy when someone comes up with you with an idea that you need to do, just say yes. Much easier than no, right? Like no means there's a resistance. No means there's a conflict at stake. But to say yes is real easy. You can avoid conflict by saying yes to people. The, The excuses we see in this text, and we're going to dive into them in a minute and kind of explore what they are. The excuses are people saying yes to other things. And I I became really convicted as I studied this because how many things do we, even people of faith, say yes to that have nothing to do with Jesus? And in fact, if we're not careful, those things, whether they be good things, may even take us away from Jesus, from what he's called us to. You see, I'm truly convinced that especially in the church, and these were church people, by the way, that in the church... The barrier to going all in with Jesus is not us saying no to Jesus, but in fact that we've become consumed with all other things that we say yes to. The excuses that we make. We become so busy saying yes to things that have nothing to do with Jesus. In fact, I would ask the question, have we considered the things we say yes to if they're even a part of what God wants for us or not? I think we do with big things, right? Like, should I take this job or not take it? Many Christian people may ask that of God. But did you ask God what to eat for breakfast? Right? Like, in reality, this is a kind of a hard thing because there are so many decisions we make on a daily basis. How do you know which ones are taking you away from Jesus and which ones are leading you toward him? Well, I think at the end of the day, we get a little idea because of the way in which these guys made excuses. You see, there's three excuses that are made. One is buying a field, and I need to go to inspect it. By the way, who buys property without getting expected, inspected, right? Like this is a good thing, right? If you're gonna buy something, you probably want to do your due diligence, right? Then you've got, well, I've got five oxen, and then I must examine them. Same principle. And then the last week changes, it goes from property to very personal. Well, I just married. And I need to take care of my wife, right? Why would Jesus throw that into the story all of a sudden? Well, I think we see some things in this. The first is this. These things are not bad things. These things are what people do each and every day. But these men in this story did not consider how the master's party fit into the overarching plan. How the master's banquet would impact all these things. So you have the excuse of business. Where they're considering their business before the master. And they're not considering at all the impact missing out of the banquet would have with any part of their business or their lives. Because they are just so distracted and consumed by their daily agenda and their business. That they miss out on the banquet and on connection to the master. The second thing we see is Wealth. These two items in particular were reserved for the wealthy. So for us, buying five oxen, right, I mean, that's, that's got to be, even today, expensive, but it's not necessarily something you think for the wealthy. We don't typically think of farmers as wealthy people a lot of times. Buying property, I mean, buying property is a significant deal, but we don't think of people in America who own property as necessarily wealthy, right? These people in this time were the top. There's a top 10% in this day and age. That's who's doing this. So their wealth, ultimately a tool to be used for good, had distracted them from the master who ultimately owned it all. And then lastly, their family, right? So the Jewish people had a requirement, cultural requirements, to spend time with their bride. Like if you got married, there was significant time spent in that, in that period of time, getting used to your new family. It was kind of a uh, religious and cultural thing they did. And it was a legitimate reason not to attend a banquet, right? Like, it was legitimate. And yet, even in this moment, Jesus shows us that even our families, our relationships, our spouses, if we're not careful, they can, help, they can have us missing out on the banquet God intends for us. You see, I think Jesus, at the end of the day, wants to show us, whether perhaps you've never said yes to Jesus in your life, or maybe you have, but maybe you've become distracted, that very, very good things can lead to excuses that lead us away from being all in with Jesus. And ultimately, these things, if you go to the end, the master became angry, and these people missed out on the banquet. Now, there's a couple of ways to take this, right? And we're going to get into some of this, right? You can take this, obviously, if you've never said yes to Jesus in your life, you're going to miss out on the banquet God has intended for your life. Heaven is what we're talking about there. The afterlife, the, the fruit of all labor, the perfection with God, you will miss out on connection with the master himself. But here's the good news of the gospel is not only are we waiting on heaven, but God intends for us to walk through this earth here and now with the master at the banquet. And so for you Christians in the room, also you've got a question, is, are my excuses distracting me from the banquet God intends for my life each and every day? And you see, for each of us, there will always be a reason not to do something. There will always be too busy a season not to do something. There will always be someone demanding our attention. But does any of those things bring us closer to the master? At the end of the day, these excuses destroyed these guys' lives because they disconnected them from the master. And the master in this story was the most important thing. By the way, master equals God, right? Like, God is the most important thing for all of us. And if we're not careful Very good, very wholesome, very important things can completely distract us from what the Master wants in our lives, and that is for us to party with Him. And so, if we are to party with God, the second thing is we have got to find power through saying yes. We have got to find the power in saying yes, all right? And this is not some kind of like, get-rich-quick type of talk here. I know it can sound that way. I felt it as I was writing it. But the reality is this is not a business seminar, although those principles apply. But there is great power in saying yes. I love saying yes to my daughter. I love it when I get to say yes to Shiloh. Like, I love it when we go to a store and it's the time is right to say yes to getting that toy on the shelf. Yesterday, I had to say no, Right? Got to leave some things for Christmas. And it broke my heart. It's much easier to say yes in that moment if we have the funds than it is to say no. But just because I love saying yes doesn't always mean it's the right time for Shiloh as a father. But you know what I do want in her life? Is that when I ask her to do something that's for her good, for her to say yes to her father. Think about that for a second. Because I thought about that when it comes to God. God can't always give us a yes. He wants to, but it's not always for our good. But when God asks us, and this banquet was an ask, a big ask, and he knows it's for the good of those that are attending this party, he wants there to be a yes because he knows that the yes coming from his children equals for good in their lives. Think about the power of yes, do you like it when people say yes to you? Do you like it when you have a request or you have a party and people show up? They don't RSVP? No. Or nowadays don't even RSVP. They just don't show up, right? Like, do you like that experience? God has invited us. And what Jesus stuns with in this, in this parable, what I love about Jesus, is the people that say yes to God's banquet are the ones that these guys, and to be real honest with you, you and I don't even expect. Let me talk for a second about the only person accepted to God's banquet. Because it's really stunning that the people that say yes in this parable are twofold. One, you see in in the passage there are the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. This is stunning for a second because if you think about it, those people typically aren't invited, even in our society, to our nice parties. I mean, who of you guys are having a party at your house, and the first thing you think about is to go grab the people on the street corner? Right? Like, we just don't do that in society. And, and by the way, I'm going to get here in a second. I'm not telling you to feel guilty today, like if you've had a party lately and you didn't invite somebody on the street corner, that you're doing wrong. But it should stun you for a second. That's what Jesus intended is for us to think. Because it's so odd to really think about having a nice party, a shower at your house And inviting those types of people. I even hate using that phrase. And then the master says, go out into the countryside, the hillside. Now we kind of miss out on this context a little bit. But what Jesus is referring to and what the guys in the room knew he was referring to. Is that's people outside of the people of Israel. Coming to the master's banquet. People they didn't expect racially, religiously. People that were not supposed to be in the kingdom of God. It was reserved for Israel. They had figured it out. You ever been there? You see, I think if we're all honest in our hearts, as we're in faith more and more, we think faith should look a lot more like you and I. Wherever you're coming from today, you tend to think of people of Christ. That they need to look like X, Y, or Z. And usually that model is somewhere close to where you fit. Whatever social status, race, culture you come from, it happens overseas. I've been on mission. It's not unique to us in this context. And Jesus sat with a bunch of people and he reminded them that at the end of the day, the only people accepted are the ones that radically realize they need to be changed by God. And there is no halfway to it. You cannot come to Jesus unless you are willing to radically change. Later in the end of the passage, he actually talks about this by saying this. And this statement, I don't have time to even delve into this this morning. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father, mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters, yes, even his own life, he can't be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. That's radical. What Jesus is saying there, and I don't have time to delve into all of that, is the people that are accepted into this banquet must be people that are willing to radically transform their entire lives. So if you're sitting there today and maybe you're exploring faith, The call to come to Jesus, to believe in Him, it has to be a call where you're finally willing to lay down everything. And Christian in the room, maybe at one point in your life you were willing to do so, let me ask you, are you still willing the same thing? To lay down everything. Your job, your families, your incomes, your expectations, your political persuasions, anything that you hold up as dear are you willing to lay it down to follow Jesus? You see, the reason he uses the cripple, the beggar, the lame, and then ultimately the Gentiles is because those people, as we see throughout Scripture, are the ones willing because they have nothing. They have nothing but Jesus. And what he's reminding us that, and the religious and those that have is that the only way to come G- to Jesus is if we're willing To give over it all. See, Jesus doesn't tweak your life. He changes your life. Jesus doesn't just make you a little bit better. He transforms you for who you are. He doesn't just take your heart and just fix it a little bit. He breaks it and then remolds it into something new. And and we have to remember this. Because there's great power in saying yes to that scary idea of giving over our hearts and lives to Jesus. Jesus. Because in that, and we'll get there later, there's a party coming. But we first must be willing, just like these, to completely let Jesus change our lives. The only response he accepts, the only response, so the only person is someone who's willing to change, let Jesus change them. The only response he accepts is yes. I joked about it earlier, but let me just be real clear. There's no maybe, halfway let me try it out for a little bit. Let me, let me take it back in 90 days and return it if I don't like it. There is no return policy for Jesus. There's no let me get around to it. There is only yes, 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 yes. You see, I think the real danger for us and for me in particular is that sometimes whether we would say this or not, We think we can kind of be halfway in on Christianity. That we can show up or maybe not show up to church. That we maybe can do a little bit around God, but not so much. And it's really not based on like attendance here, by the way. Jesus doesn't do that. It's really not based on like, did you go to group this morning or not? Although I'd love for you to go to group. It's really based on how radically in love each and every day are you with Jesus. And a lot of these things are in the unseen areas of our life. So I can kind of tell, especially as a pastor, church attendance, right? We we hope that church attendance, Bible study, those types of things indicate a transformed life. But I know so many stories of people who went right through church attending every week. And they had never really said yes to Jesus. They thought they could be a halfway Christian. The unseen areas of our lives, do you love God's word? Do you actually talk with him? Those moments that are unseen where you can help someone, do you? Where you can be kind, do you? See, it's not some great mission trip, although I'd love for you to go on one or help rebuild somebody's house, although I'd love for us to do that. Those are outward expressions of our faith in Christ. Those are parts of the way we say yes to Jesus, but it really starts from the internal. And, and I have a real honest question that I want you to consider today because I've questioned this in my own life. This last year and a half of a pandemic, have you just put your faith on hold? Because we got disrupted, right? Life got disruptive. And I had to ask that hard question because I know for some of your stories, the answer is no, pastor. I've walked through something really difficult and my faith has helped me all along the way. People have helped me become better in this area or that area that was unseen because of Jesus. So yes, I've said yes to Jesus throughout the entire year. But I think for some of us the challenge is when things are disrupted that we presumed were us saying yes to Jesus, we miss out on asking the question, God, what do you want from this season? God, in a season where I can't do it like I used to do it, how are you going to use me? What areas in my life, in the private areas, am I going to grow closer to God? And I've really asked that question myself because, to be real honest with you, life as a pastor got different. You guys weren't here all the time, right? Like, like I had presumed, even for my life, that just doing Calvary as normal, man, we were all in with Jesus, And then in a blink of the eye, those things change. And you have to go back to the purity of your faith. The internal love you have for God. How you're going to say yes to Jesus each and every day. And in those things, it leads out into your church life, into your family life, to your business, into where you go, the hobbies you are in. It all flows from there. But how are you saying yes to Jesus in your private world Because the guest list is for those who have accepted Christ, for those who have said yes to the call. But I also know so many stories of people like Pastor Preach last week that start out and bloom up and you think they've said yes to Christ. But then their faith burns out from the scorching sun on the hard soil because ultimately their yes to Jesus was just a bunch of activity, religiosity. It wasn't a true rootedness in faith. Here is the, the beautiful thing about saying yes, and we're going to be done. My last point is the end of this passage, and I just want you to see the joy of saying yes to Jesus. The joy I wrote down in perfect partying, because New Orleans loves a party, right? You guys understand this better than some place, uh, most places in all the world. That's what I love about this city why i wrote that down is there's two things that he says that are real subtle but you're going to miss them for all the negativity if you're not careful because it's pretty negative to say these guys are missing out right like i hate the way that passage ends because it's like man you can focus on the people that are missing out and we need to know that we need to be passionate about people getting the gospel and saying yes to jesus i don't want any of you guys to miss out on the party that god's got planned but here's the good news for those of you who said yes to jesus God's house is going to be full it's going to be full like I hope you say yes to Jesus but regardless of your decision it's going to be full and and some of you introverts right now are going well, I don't know about that I'm not sure I want to be in a full house in heaven right like I'll be okay give me my one room where I got my chair and my book y'all go party I'm gonna be over here in the corner right like I get it like I get it a little bit I understand here's the deal even you introverts in the room Isn't it sweet when you get to spend time with people you love and you're close to? Isn't it grace great when your house is kind of full with people that you even trust, even for an introvert in the room, there's some life in that. Things that are full bring energy. When I first moved here, and this is a great day to bring this up uh, when I first moved here, the two things that happened in my life that I love, and I will remember the rest of my life is that. The Saints won the Super Bowl, right? That was my first year in New Orleans. Love it. It will always be a memory of mine. Um, and then also, and you're going to hate this one, but it's, it's good. We all lost yesterday, all right? Alabama won its first national championship. And both those games uh, were awesome for me in a lot of different ways. Um, I was at the Rose Bowl, and I just remember it being full. And the, the emotion, the energy, the experience we got to have. And yes, I get to talk about this a little bit this morning. I joked with the guys in the booth as we started today. We both lost yesterday. It's all good. Like everybody's good. I lost too. So I'm not bragging this morning, right? Like, but it was an experience that I'll never forget. You guys know when you go to the Superdome, right? It's an experience. Whatever your team might be, it's an experience. Think about how much more beautiful God's full house is going to be. Think about it for a second. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be full. It's not going to matter, as Jesus showed us, who, what, when they look like, what they've got. All that that we struggle with in this world, it all fades away at God's banquet. We won't be looking at each other in that way. I wish I could do it now. But the reality is, until I reach home, I'm always going to struggle with looking at people a different way. We all are. We just got to work on it. But in heaven, it doesn't matter doesn't matter full of people who say yes to Jesus our goal in this series is that you Calvary whether you're here this morning or perhaps you're with us online you Calvary would be this full of this type of people now when I say that I do not mean that this is packed although I'd love this church to be packed But if it's packed with the wrong people, which you can do here on earth, that doesn't matter. I want our church to be full of people that are continually saying yes to Jesus. I want my home and my spouse and my daughter to be full of saying yes to Jesus. That is the desire of our hearts, and it starts with us. Because when we're full with this type of people... Man, there's no limit to what we can do. There's no limit to what God can do. There's no limit to where he can take us. And here's the good news. The last thing. He, ta- he says this here, by the way, in the, in the kind of the threat. None of these men will taste my banquet. The second thing I wrote down is God's banquet is filling. So his house is full, but this banquet we're going to, man, it's filling. Think about it for a second. Those things I just talked about, there's always a need for another championship. I mean, you, you LSU fans are dealing with two years ago, right? How do we get back there? Alabama is always trying to figure that out. The Saints, right? When is it gonna come back? We're always, there's never a feeling. You, uh, trust me, as someone who's won some, you never end in sports. It never ends. It's never gonna be filling enough for you. It's a temporary fulfillment that doesn't fulfill eternally if you eat lunch today you've got to eat supper and if you don't do that you're going to eat tomorrow your energy today you woke up feeling like you got some tomorrow you might not like life is very temporary the only thing that fills us are the things in which we say yes to jesus i wrote down some of these things for a second like moments on a mission field where I'm talking to a teenager that doesn't have a father or mother about the heavenly father who loves them. Like those moments are way bigger than even a championship Rose Bowl game. Moments I've spent with some of you praying, seeing God come through in amazing ways, moments I've spent and we've spent in this baptistry seeing lives changed, those moments are better than any high attended Easter Sunday here at Calvary. They just are. They're more filling. So the question for our lives is not how much money are you gonna have or how good your business is gonna run or how many family members are you gonna love today? Like those things are not bad things. Jesus points those things out in this passage. But if we spend our life consumed with those things being the excuse on why we didn't get all in with Jesus, then you're going to miss out on the filling things of life. The things that I believe in heaven will be the things that last with us. Like I'm praying that that when I get there, that some of these kids are there with me. And I don't have an affirmative on some, but I'm praying that. I'm praying that my daughter is there with me. I don't have a guarantee right we just got a disciple and talk about God in an amazing way I'm praying that each of your faces that you're with there you're there with me and I, I'm gonna be real honest with you this morning It doesn't matter if you come every week to this church or if you're in Bible study this morning or if you're a giver to our church. None of those things are the things that are really about saying yes to Jesus. Those are reflections of what God's doing in your heart. They are not the end all be all. Because these leaders, I promise you, looked the best when it came to religion. And a religion is around us all the time. Saying yes to Jesus pulls religion away. And at the end of the day, you've got to ask yourself, has my heart been truly changed? I'll give you one boat story and we'll close. Because I don't want to miss out on the boat. Luke chapter 5. There's a powerful yes. pastor's going to preach on it in the coming weeks. It's a story you know very well of when the catch of great fish comes but i want to point out that in that story simon peter that's when he chose to say yes to follow jesus and he left everything his business every piece of his life he knew to say yes to jesus and jesus said to simon peter you know this very famously on this rock i'll build my church right The rock being those disciples, Simon Peter and those men that chose to say yes to Jesus. And that rock is how he's still building his church today. From everyday people like you and like me, they're just willing to say yes to him. So I'd like for us to bow our heads and close our eyes for a moment. And as you pray, with every head bowed and every eye closed, all distractions put aside for this moment so that you can focus on what God's speaking to your heart. I want you to ask yourself, have I ever truly changed and said yes to Jesus? It doesn't matter if you've been to church or even been baptized or even been a part of something. Have you ever given your life over to Jesus that moment if you've not done that then I'd like to invite you in this moment to pray a prayer and there's nothing magical about that but this prayer is a commitment that you're going to give your heart over to Jesus this prayer you can pray along with me goes like this just pray it privately in your heart God I realize today that I need you and I want to be a part of your banquet. So today God I say yes to Jesus. I ask him to come into my life to forgive me of all my sin and to change my life forever. God today I say yes to Jesus for the rest of my life. If you prayed that prayer in your heart, you're gonna be at that banquet. You're gonna be a part of that great party. With every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around, if you prayed that prayer, I'd love to pray for you and with you So I'd like to ask that if you prayed that prayer and you accepted Jesus, if you just slip your hand up for me this morning so I can pray for you privately. Thank you, thank you, thank you, amen, amen. With every head bowed and every eye closed, for those of you who have already prayed that prayer, where is God calling you in your life to go all in? Perhaps it's just in your private life. Perhaps there's some areas which you may have once found passionate, God's word, prayer, meeting with other believers that maybe have grown cold. I'd like for you to give those areas privately over to God and say yes to him again. So with me, if you're praying that, pray this privately. God, I realize today that I've made excuses. And God, today, I want to say yes and go all in once again with you. So God, I ask you today, would you help me in these areas that you know, reignite a passion for saying yes with you? God, I, I want to be in the boat with you. And so help me to do that today. God, we thank you so much for this word, this text. God, I know it's been challenging for me this week. I know the areas you've spoken into my heart and life. I pray for every person here in the room and online that you will radically change their life. They will say yes to you, and God, you will help them in their hour of need. God, I cannot wait to be at the banquet with all these great people. So I pray today they'd say yes to you. And God, we look forward to this church looking more like that banquet table each and every day till you call us home. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer and raised your hand, I would love to know that, and I know it's very private. Come find me after church, I'd love to talk with you. Or perhaps you take that card that we have, Audra's got them at the tables, and you can fill that out and just mark that you made a first time commitment to Christ. I would love to know that because we'd love to help you walk toward maybe a next step like baptism, or perhaps getting more involved here at the church so we can encourage your faith. Maybe you've got an area in your life that you're really working through, let us know that. Let us pray for you. If it's not, by the way, if you've got an area that like you want to do with the church or Scott speaking, we want to know that. We want to help you figure those things out. Even if it's in a private area of Bible study or prayer, we'd love to be that asset to help you. That's what we're here for as a church, is to help you grow in your faith. But as we close today, one great way, the reason we've been doing this a lot Is because expressing our faith through song helps instill these things in our heart. So I'd like to invite you to stand to your feet. And as we close today and we go, let me ask you to sing this song with us. Go ahead and stand. And let me ask you to sing with us as we celebrate what God's done in our hearts today.